0: Welcome to this Linklaters podcast on operational resilience. Joining me today are Claire McMullen and Verity Kemp. The big news since our last episode is that the UK regulators have finalized their rules on operational resilience. So Claire, what do we know now that we didn't know before?
1: Simon, you're right. The FCA, PRA and Bank of England have all published their operational resilience policy statements in the last week or so. We now have a package of papers which set in stone the rules telling firms and market infrastructure how they should go about building their resilience to disruption. As for what we know now, the final rules are largely unchanged from the draft rules that the regulators originally consulted on, which is obviously helpful for firms who've already started their operational resilience programmes. The most important change is about timing. The first key date to keep in mind is the 31st of March 2022. That's the date from which most of the rules start to apply.
0: Thanks, Claire. And we'll come back to talk about exactly what applies and when uh, later on. But first, I thought I'd ask about scope, because Verity, we, we now have these final rules. So perhaps you could remind us who exactly is going to have to comply with them.
2: The thing to remember is that even though the regulators are working together on this and all the rules are very similar, actually each regulator has its own operational resilience regime applying to different types of entity. So the final outcome is banks, insurers, and other dual regulated firms will need to comply with both the FCA and the PRA rules. Other firms only need to apply the FCA rules. So that includes payment institutions, e-money institutions, and those firms which are in the enhanced scope version of the senior manager's regime and finally institutions supervised by the Bank of England will be caught by the Bank of England's regime that includes payment system operators and central counterparties for example so to be honest this hasn't changed from what was proposed in the draft rules.
0: So those are the firms who are in the scope of of this new regime but I think the regulators have also taken the opportunity to clarify when the rules wouldn't apply haven't they?
2: That's right, Simon. So the FCA in particular has made some clarifications on this. They've added a new rule saying that their regime does not apply to a firm which has its head office outside the UK. So if you're a UK branch of a non-UK institution, you're not caught by this regime. Now this is an important change from the draft rules, and it also brings the FCA in line with the PRA, which has always said that UK branches would not be in scope. The FCA has also confirmed that the rules do not apply to firms in the temporary permissions regime
1: or to overseas branches. And this is really important for firms to get their head around, uh, especially for larger organisations with many different types of regulated entity in their groups. For some, the outcome will be that some parts of the group will be subject to one or more UK operational resilience regime, while other parts will fall out of scope entirely, depending on what they do and where they're based. And looking ahead, this is something firms will have to manage as group structures change over time. So, for example, if a firm currently relying on a post-Brexit temporary permission ends up creating a subsidiary in the UK, that entity could well fall inside the scope of the rules and so need to be ready to comply as soon as it becomes authorised.
0: OK, so I think that covers uh, who the rules apply to. Maybe we should talk next about um, what applies and when.
2: So, So, as Claire said, 31 March 2022 really is the key date. By then, you must have done several things. For example, you must have identified your business services and which ones are, quote, important business services. You must have started mapping the resources you rely on to deliver those services. You must have set impact tolerance levels for each important business area and so on. But the regulators have introduced some new flexibility. They now say that a firm is not required to have done the mapping and testing exercises, quote, to the full extent of sophistication by the end of March 2022. Instead, you need to have carried out mapping and testing, quote, to the extent necessary to identify important business services, set impact tolerances, and identify any vulnerabilities in your operational resilience. This is a subtle change, but an important one, I think, for firms that are daunted about how much needs to be done in the first year before the rules kick in. Yes, work needs to be done, but I think the FCA and the PRA and the Bank of England, are all saying that the breadth and level of detail needed to say you've achieved full resilience does not need to be there on day one and can
1: improve with time. That said, there is a long stop date for full compliance with the rules. Firms need to remain within impact tolerance levels as soon as reasonably practicable after the 31st of March, 2022. This is subject to a three year transition period to March, 2025. What does that mean in practice? Effectively, you have a period where you need to be complying with the rules and building your resilience, as Verity said. But we're not going to see the regulators bringing enforcement action for breaches of tolerance levels, which happen before the end of March 2025. From then on, of course, the whole regime is switched on. And I think firms can expect short shrift from the regulators if incidents happen which take them outside their impact tolerances after that date.
0: And are there any other changes uh, to the rules that firms should be taking note of?
1: Uh, One point I'd flag is the FCA's approach to vulnerable customers. How firms treat vulnerable customers fairly is a real priority for the FCA at the moment. And so it's not a surprise that they have added express references to vulnerable customers in their guidance on operational resilience. Because of these changes, thinking about vulnerable customers is going to be important, not only when it comes to identifying important business services, but also when setting impact tolerances and planning your customer communication strategy.
0: Thanks very much, Claire. So we've talked now about uh, scope and timing and also vulnerable customers. Is there anything else from the policy statements that caught your eye?
1: I think the international perspective is of interest. This is something we're talking about with our clients, how you go about managing this new regime alongside similar requirements in other countries. In this context, I think it's worth noting that the UK regulators are framing their requirements as being high level and principles based. So it should be possible to implement a resilience programme which is rolled out globally across the organisation as a whole, but which also works in a UK context to achieve compliance in the UK. That said, I think firms will need to look closely at two things. First, how they evidence compliance with the UK rules specifically. I'm thinking here about the various documentation requirements that are built into the UK regime. And second, how you answer some of the governance questions around resilience. For example, who's making the decisions relating to the delivery of resilience for the UK entity or entities? What management information is being given to local senior management? How is this segregated from Global MI? and so on.
2: Yeah, and to add to that, I would also pick out some of the comments from the regulators about COVID-19. So there's a recognition in there about the significant impact of the pandemic and what that's had on the industry and how the sector has shown a good degree of resilience. And they talk about how operational configurations and working practices may well have changed permanently because of the pandemic, and that this will need to be reflected in resilience planning. But the FCA, for example, also warn that future disruptions will look very different and are likely to be more firm-specific in nature. So there's a risk here that firms could fall into the trap of recency bias, perhaps focusing too much on how to be resilient in a pandemic, for example, and overlooking other potentially disruptive events.
0: Thank you, Claire and Verity. And if you have any questions or topics you would like us to cover, do get in touch with us. But for now, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you.